The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode of That's So Retrograde is brought to you in part by our friends over at Thrive Market. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash retrograde to get 25% off your first order and a free 30-day trial. Play the jingle. That is so retrograde. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. We're here. I'm Elizabeth Cott. Elizabeth Cott, hello. I'm Stephanie Simbari. Stephanie Simbari, welcome. Mm. This is That's So Retrograde. We're, it's a curious episode today. We're constantly curious, but... Today is a full moon. We've got a full moon week. Everyone, feel your feels, write your list, cry your cries, do your self-care, get some acupuncture, take a bath. Call a friend. Have a glass of wine. Take a nap. I don't know. All the options. You <laughs> laid out a whole, a whole toolkit. I host a podcast called That's So Retrograde you know? in which wow. we illuminate tools. Beautiful. Yes. That That's a really good description. Thank you. I'm constantly <laughs> refining the description in my brain and I liked that one a lot. Okay. So thank you for that. Please put that in your toolkit of descriptions. Thank you. <laughs> I, I shall. I shall. We have so much going on. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of announcements to make. Maybe we'll make that at the end of the show. Mm, why don't we sprinkle one in right now? We sprinkle one in right now. We've yeah. got an event coming in LA, a free boxing class over at Box Union on Robertson, which is really fun. It's so if fun. You like punching stuff. Honestly, I did not know how much I needed to uh, execute rage until you took me to that boxing class. And I was like, feels really good to punch things in the dark to aggressive hip hop music. It really is. It's a nice, it's a nice thing to add to your toolkit. Truly. It is. It's like an antidote to like all the yoga and like good feeling, energetic, calming things that we do. Sometimes you just need to freak out and hit something really hard and aggressively. To the beat. Yeah. I mean. Even more importantly. Um, So that is (laughs) If Kanye's there, I'm getting even more angry. That's happening Tuesday, March 5th at 7.30 PM. We will have an art. RSVP link on our website and how also, many people can come that I don't know but I do know space is limited okay so get on that RSVP if that's something that strikes your fancy mm-hmm. and yes then we'll that's an announcement there you go we did it sound machine pew 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 pew, pew. um I want to shout out something I've been doing in the ritual sense Ooh. who is a sponsor oh wow I like what you did there and its name is ritual wow it's a multivitamin that is bringing me life I'm so obsessed with ritual multivitamins first of all they have all of the most pure clean forms of the vitamins in the capsules and they taste like peppermint oil and they were founded by a friend of mine, Kat, wow. which is super exciting to see the whole brand grow in the way it has. I remember sitting with her on a picnic table. She was running over name ideas with me. I think she landed on the perfect one. Definitely. Because it's my whole thing right now as like the life is in sort of transit. Mm-hmm. I've been... Since you're living out of your car. Mm-hmm. I've been um, <laughs> you know, waking up and being really conscious about drinking water, which we all are, but it's just kind of solidified into like one of the things I can, I can grasp onto. Get your control where you can. Exactly. (laughs) So I like chugging a glass of water and then I have my ritual. 
and take two of those mm-hmm. and like get the day popping. So it's from D3 to omega-3. Rituals is essentials. Can I also shout out that it's folate and methylated B12, which we know is well documented as something that I've long searched for in a vitamin. Yes. For all you non-methylators out there, this is great. And all of this is filling gaps in a woman's diet. It's female-specific, which we love. And then it has this, like, fresh minty flavor. Mm -hmm. And there's no fishy aftertaste, which I love. And you kind of have these, like... Minty burps. I've gotten those before. Which I don't hate. Me either. I like them. It's and a nice morning surprise. They're so... <laughs> I like how you're just like really finding the positive <laughs> in the mundane right now. Yes. It makes me happy. Also, the vitamins are so pretty. Yeah, and I we have... Time-release our- capsules inside the gel. So great. And there's a monthly subscription model, which is very convenient. Again, mm-hmm. no leaving the house. So if you visit ritual.com slash retrograde, you can start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash retrograde, no promo code, and uh, get it popping. Just get involved. It's really the highlight of the, the beginning of my month when I get that in the mail. It's nice. It's really, it's a good thing. Yeah. Speaking of rituals, uh, I've recently reconnected with an old flame of mine. Oh, yes. An old flame ritual, and that ritual is reading. Yeah, girl. I feel like I've just been really aggressively trying to create and manifest, generate, and sometimes you just need to sit back and receive some information mm-hmm, via mm-hmm. a book. Yes. And what are you reading right now? interestingly, we've gotten a question about what we're reading, yes. so I okay, feel like so it's perfect. To, it's a perfect synchronicity. We did a little call to action on Instagram, so thank you to everyone who quickly responded just asking us some quick questions. And one of the questions we got, which we were planning on talking about, is book recommendations. Reads for fun, personal development, astrology newbies, et cetera, et cetera. We've got some. Okay, so as a follow-up to last week, where we talked about heartbreak and dating in the social media era. With my sweet dad. Elizabeth's dad <laughs> dropped some knowledge, basically told me, that's really tough, I'm sorry for your loss, about, <laughs> uh, you know, Men don't pursue people anymore. So I got wind, I caught wind of this book, and the title is I'm sorry. The title of the book isn't I'm sorry, but I'm sorry about the title because okay. it's so embarrassing that even though I love the book, I refuse to read it outside of my house because mm. the title of the book is called Getting to I Do. Okay. Okay, which is very aggressive. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's where I'm... A real eye on the prize type title. <laughs> it's a little too intense and direct. I'm like reading it in a coffee house, like slowly pulling it below my face. Put 50 making shades over it to yeah. look less embarrassed. No, I was thinking I would order those like middle school book covers, like the cool sticky ones. Yeah, or yeah. you could make your own. Yeah, no, but I, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> a brown paper bag, yeah. perhaps. What are you hiding, friend? <laughs> um, anyways, it's fucking fascinating. It's written. It was written in the 90s by a woman who is a psychologist. And she became a psychologist after realizing that she, she had three failed marriages. And she realized that every time that her career started taking precedent, her marriage fell apart. Mm-hmm. And so she started, like, researching human behavior and researching – relationship dynamics and she came down to this idea that like in every relationship one person needs to be more masculine and one person needs to be more feminine and like obviously we know this is is talked about in the spiritual community I know that like London and Justin do this kind of work and John Wineland and Guru Jagat kind of talk about this stuff too but just in the book it's so direct can I have a question about that yeah do they interchange so like at any point one is person is more masculine or is it like steadfast throughout basically it's like everyone is both Mm-hmm. But you need to choose which one you're going to dominate with, meaning that like, okay, either you either you want to be like 
respected in your relationship or you want to be cherished in your relationship. And if you want to be respected and cherished in your relationship, then you're a narcissist. And so you have to decide, do you respect your man or do you cherish your man? Does he respect you or does he cherish you more than the other one? Obviously. Wow. So it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. Yeah. But but like, for example, like for me, a lot of the pitfalls that I fall into is that like, because I'm masculine in work, because we like run our own business and like I'm a self-starter and all that stuff, it's hard for me to stop doing that when it comes to dating. Mm -hmm. Meaning like, I'll just be like, I'll just text him. I'll just pursue him. And I feel like I need to like go and get it. And basically she says like, if you're a woman who wants to be feminine and wants to be cherished, the second that you make the first move, you've fucked yourself over. Because you're sending like a message that says that you're the dominant energy in the relationship when you don't actually want to be. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It's fucking... I'm obsessed with – I mean, it's a little bit upsetting, especially because it's like dating in the 90s is crazy. And it's like before social media. It's like there's so much that has changed. But like so much. the core principles of what she's saying, even if it's not like something you're going to stick to like glue and make it like your full truth, it definitely has like ideas that are worth chewing on and maybe – altering your energy or your behavior just a little bit and seeing what happens. Because even just like in thinking about it, I can feel my energy shifting. Mm-hmm. You know, even right. like in the Softening. way. Softening. Yeah, a little bit. And like just identifying when a man is trying to be masculine and then when I'm accidentally like emasculating him with just my like intense go-getterness mm-hmm. and then how to like practice being receptive. Interesting. So for the book that I – have it was recommended to me. I haven't started reading it yet, but I've read some excerpts and it's called I Know How She Does It, How Successful Women Make the Most of Their Time. And it's really all about time management and it based off of scientific studies and it's super interesting. Cool. Um so I'll get further into that as I get into it. But yeah. in the personal development side of things, very, very interesting. And again, with the masculine and feminine and female and workplace just as relationships, like there is some ground in which we need to find footing on mm-hmm. our constant like as human beings we yeah. are the piece de la resistance today the book that we must shout out that we are going to go deep on in about two seconds is the new book from ruby warrington sober curious sober curious the blissful sleep greater focus limitless presence and deep connection awaiting us all on the other side of alcohol Bye-bye. Hi. Let's just cut right to that conversation because we love Ruby so much and it is fascinating. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We always love someone with an accent because it makes us (laughs) sound more highbrow. Literally when you walked through the door (laughs) and I heard your accent, I was almost like, yay, a British person. And then I was like, keep a chill, Steph. (laughs) Chill out. (laughs) But you just did it anyway. I love that. (laughs) We're easy to please. It's the little things. (laughs) If I'm going to be embarrassing, it may as well be recorded. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Totally. Perfect. So welcome. You're Thank here you. visiting from New York. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, at last. I kind of feel like I've been following what you guys have been doing for about five years now. And yeah. I'm like, at last, we get to finally sit down and have this finally, chat. This is we, so cool. We met. I walked over to one of your events that you had at The Standard maybe like three and a half years ago. No, I think it was five years ago. Well, we've been doing the show for four. four. Okay, so maybe it was four yeah. years ago. Yeah. It does feel like a very long time <laughs> but it's coming. Been a minute. Because I feel like we were going to interview you for the last book and then it just didn't work out for some scheduling reason. Yeah. 
Yeah, quite possibly. Although wow. that wasn't that long ago. The first book was only out like last summer year, of right? two, summer of 2017. Okay. So we, we're racking up the months. Just but yeah, turning them really out. Quick. It's pretty, pretty really, impressive. Yeah, it's been busy. It's already July 2019. <laughs> <laughs> like feels, January I feel like the longest month of my entire life. But we're here now. Here we go. Here we go. So Sober Curious. We mm. are curious about Sober Curious. Yes. Mm. Tell us what this means. I like it. Yeah. So Sober Curious, I mean the... The answer to that question is kind of in the title, right? This is about literally bringing a curious or a questioning mind to everything to do with alcohol, Mm -hmm. whether it's why we drink, whether it's how we drink, whether it's the way that alcohol is so interwoven in our society, whether it's how it makes us feel, whether it's its impact on our work and our productivity and our moods and our relationships. It's really interesting when you start to think about it, alcohol kind of like touches every single area of our lives. Yeah. It's quite crazy. The yeah. dining experience, the social experience, the, the alone experience, the alone experience. <laughs> sports. Any type of entertainment, like it's well, yeah. I mean, in. alcohol is present at any, literally any kind of situation where we interact as human beings. Like mm-hmm. you will find alcohol at some point. Yeah. But then on a personal level, I think it it, we, it interacts with our lives on like every level, on a, on an internal level as well. It really has an impact. So, yeah, to get sober curious, it really means to actually ask those questions before just kind of blindly going along with the dominant drinking culture and drinking because it's what we do and it's because it's everywhere and just. Yeah. I also love that it's like not dogmatic. Like I think there's something about this being sober, which even the way I'm saying it is the way I kind of feel <laughs> that people are normally about activated about it, where mm. it's like it's a very hard line around the experience and it's like something you have to white knuckle your way through. And in your book, you're kind of talking about how it's not really that. It's more mm. like you're talking about the personal choice to not engage. Well, yeah. I mean, I really believe that everybody is different. Yeah. Like every human has different needs. I mean, obviously we have the same sort of like basic needs and desires and things like that. But ultimately, like each physical body is different. We all interact with alcohol differently. Our emotion, we all have a different emotional life. We all have a different background. We've all had different influences. And so I think that to have that very kind of black and white, you're either sober or you're a drinker, it leaves so much kind of like room in the middle that hasn't ever really been addressed before in a mainstream kind of a way. And that was, yeah, I felt that that was just really um, limiting and... And, and also prevented that very kind of black and white approach about sobriety, like you say, that really kind of strict, yeah. almost quite puritanical view. Judgy about, almost. It can be, right? Yeah. Quite puritanical in a way. Um, could would, would prevent a lot of people who were curious or questioning their alcohol intake from ever actually answering those questions. Because yeah. it was, for my case, it was kind of like, oh, if I'm going to question this, if I'm going to like suggest that alcohol is maybe not making me feel great and I don't really like the role that it's playing in my life, eek, that means I'm going to have to stop drinking altogether. Or right. like you won't be able to like go where your friends are going or like you completely shift exactly. your social experience. I think that that runs through people's minds mm-hmm. always. Like, oh, or yeah. even if they're doing like a 30-day just like a sober January or yeah. something like that. But like I've done that, you know, like we've done, you know, 30 days of like a whole 30 thing where you can't mm-hmm. do alcohol. And like, I think it, it's funny because the first couple of times you go out, you're like, is this going to be weird? And then it's funny because you end up having like more energy mm. and you're like, oh, I'm cool. Like I'm yeah. fine. Like I actually don't <laughs> need to drink and people yes. start drinking and you're like, oh, I really, 
I do get a little, once I get on my high horse, oh, about yeah. it, then I get uh, like drunk judging. people are disgusting. Yeah, I'm like, you have to drink sad. <laughs> Cut to like day 31, I'm like drinking a whole bottle no, of No, day 28, you're like, my mom's in town, so I have true. to drink, is that okay? I'm like, do you, girl? <laughs> I literally. So interesting though, right? Yeah. The way those judgments yeah. come up quite quickly about yeah. like, ooh, drunk people. Have it, by the way, you know there's now that drunk face emoji, is that new? Like, I don't remember there being a drunk face emoji Is that like before. the side one? It's kind of going, it's got this uh-huh. like wonky mouth and like one eye shut. Yeah, I do. that is new. That's a new emoji. <laughs> right. I like Maybe that one. Maybe it's because like more people are getting sober curious. More people are aware of like, whoa, that That's drunk messy. face is not a good face. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's interesting how you say everyone's relationship to alcohol is different. And I totally agree with you. But what I do think in in reading about your message, like we've all... I'd venture to guess we've all had that experience with alcohol where we woke up with a what the fuck afterwards. Mm. And like the scaries, the scaries, Mm -hmm. the shame spiral, like all of those things are that kind of it's like one drink away from having that every time. And I think especially like in my 20s, I'll speak for myself, like I was really like learning my limit and like I'm a five foot tall woman and maybe I can't drink uh, the same as the counterpart male next to me also Elizabeth in her 20s was a five foot tall woman wearing seven foot tall shoes and like she would have like one too many drinks and I'd be like someone needs to hold this girl's hand when she walks down the stairs totally mm-hmm. ankle your, roll your shoes always. were just mm. a circus were. act I, I was inspired by the Spice Girls and I kept it going you I did. don't know what else you want to say, me to say about you're it. a fashion icon <laughs> thank you um no but but and I think that and that like what the fuck moment is glazed over oh yeah well if anything it's kind of glazed over we're taught we kind of grow up with the idea the ideology that like that's just part and parcel of life yeah like you can't avoid those things it's just like something to be laughed at if anything it could be the sign of a good night even though you might have some bravado around it on the outside oh my god guys you'll never guess what happened whereas inside you're like like, I don't remember anything yeah Yeah. like what really did happen yeah you know and yeah it's just I think we have all had those experiences, which shows that even if you don't necessarily have a drinking problem, I've got air quotes going on, drinking yeah. problem, like al- alcohol can be problematic for us on all different kinds of levels. Well, it's also what you were saying before to go back to that where you're like asking my, to ask yourself the question, like, do I need to stop drinking is to really come face to face with yourself. Do I have a problem? Like they're so intermixed and that's a really serious, honest, deep question to ask mm. yourself. Most of us aren't ready to confront such a thing mm-hmm. and it's it's yeah I, I'd love to hear you kind of talk well, about that well I don't know I think most of us are more equipped to confront these deep questions than we are also led to believe you know? right yeah I think that we do we are more and more so having the tools available um made available to us to actually do that kind of more inner self-inquiry yeah and I think a lot of the stigma is being removed from actually addressing yeah okay I have some I have a weakness here or I have a trigger here or I have a trauma here that hasn't healed and maybe that's why I'm using alcohol you know I think there's actually the conversation around emotional well-being and emotional self-care and mental health particularly is is really opening up and I think actually this sober curious conversation is a part of that where people are feeling like it's more okay to yeah. say I don't have it all together and I don't have it all figured out and sometimes I really fuck up and shit guys can you help me you know mm-hmm. that's becoming much more acceptable and what you were saying before we started recording which I'm just so obsessed with and it, you touch on it on the book a little bit which is just like why is it so socially acceptable it's like the most socially acceptable substance in this like really weird way where it's like I was saying to her before like 
when you're at a bar and someone's like, can I get you a drink? And you're like, oh, no, I'll just have a soda or a water. And they're like, why aren't you drinking? It's like, whoa. Where if they're like, do you want to go have a cigarette? You're like, I don't smoke. No one asks you why. Exactly. I actually think alcohol is the new cigarettes. Um, and this is something I haven't been talking about that much. But it's like I see this trend kind of like blossoming just because I can see how many people are actually curious. Now it's getting more OK to talk yeah. about it. And I do kind of wonder if at some point in the future – alcohol will become as kind of socially unacceptable as cigarettes and something that people do much more behind closed doors. Right. Although, I mean, well, I mean, you could say the same about the cigarette industry. The alcohol industry is obviously huge and puts billions of dollars into marketing and advertising to make sure that we still maintain like this perception of alcohol yeah. as the the key to a life worth living, like as, as have a vibrant social life, like a and it, uh, you know, it makes us more attractive, it makes us sexier, it makes us cooler, all of these things. But I think that the more people educate themselves and actually just get real about like the true impact of alcohol, the more people will start to shun it. In New York, there are a couple already of alcohol-free bars that are opening. Yeah, Like the Assemblage Members Club doesn't serve any alcohol at all. I love it's it kind there. of, it's like there's a, there's a movement that's bubbling. <laughs> and I think that, I actually think the alcohol industry is probably getting quite worried about it someone sent me a press release the other day about a big booze brand that's investing a lot in kind of like cannabis infused drinks yeah. instead yeah and so it'll be I just think it'd be really interesting to see how this plays out well I feel like there's two different kinds of drinking there's like the drinking where you go to the bar and you're just like slamming drinks and like just to like be social or you know get the courage to hook up with someone mm. or dance mm -hmm. or whatever and then there's like the more casual drinking where you're like with your friends having dinner having wine to me, that's, like, why I would not quit drinking because that's my favorite thing to do. It feels, like, romantic. Mm -hmm. But I personally don't love – like, I don't love drinking hard alcohol at the bar. So mm. it's like that's kind of where I'm, like – that, to me, is where it gets a little – like, you're okay having one drink at the bar. You really don't need to have five. Mm-hmm. Like, how loose yeah. do you really want to get? And it's interesting that you say about the dinner parties. Like, I used to love nothing better than entertaining how dinner, dinner parties at home. Yeah. Particularly when I lived in the UK and there was just more space. I live in New York now, not so – easy yeah um, <laughs> you're like four people can come over exactly. huge party so Single I used to do it a lot <laughs> yeah um and in a way those situations were almost like because you're not like keeping a tab on like how much you're spending behind the bar and everyone would turn up in the UK particularly guests would turn up with two bottles of wine so you almost end up having like two bottles of wine for everyone at the table yeah and they would invariably all get drunk because you're just not really even kind of like keeping track of how much you're drinking right so actually that dinner party drinking for me was probably some of my more like my hardest really? drinking in a way yeah that's interesting <laughs> that's you talk so interesting. about um the self-inquiry mm. when, when kind of playing around with the idea of sober curiosity. Can you talk about those questions that you asked yourself? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I haven't actually counted. I think there's about, I put all the questions in the book. They're mm -hmm. kind of peppered throughout. I yeah. think there are around like 80 to 100 questions okay. in there. <laughs> so let's go through them one by one. Start number so they, one. So it starts off with Page the big question, 56. right? <laughs> yeah. So the maybe... big question was really like, well, would my life be better without alcohol? And from there, it kind of like stems out to like, well, what aspects of my life? Would I be more productive at work? Would I feel healthier? Would I look younger? Would I have more sex? Would I have better sex? Would it be hard? Would I lose my friendships? How much will my friendship group shift? Like, there are just so many yeah. like that 
you know, like I was saying before, um, alcohol really kind of has its tentacles in every single part of our lives. And so when you consider removing it, particularly if you're really thinking about removing it completely, there's going to be questions that come up around everything, work, wellness, relationships, motivation, like just kind of Mm. everything. And did any of those questions, like, what were the answers in terms of, I'm curious about like the socializing and the friend aspect, like that the socializing, more fearful. Yeah. There's a chapter on FOMA, fear of missing alcohol. And so many, uh, I love that. <laughs> so many, I have, um, <laughs> FOMC, fear of not chilling. <laughs> That's <laughs> mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Funk. I live in funk. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how to... I'm just going to slip one in there. Alcohol, this is something that's not very often reported. Alcohol is one of the five most addictive substances. It goes like heroin, cocaine, nic- barbiturates. Barbiturates? What is this, 1976? Like, right. <laughs> barbiturates or whatever is in barbiturates. Quaaludes, guys. Watch out. <laughs> Nicotine and alcohol. Yeah, I believe that. So also the, yeah. the, a lot of those go hand in hand with each other. Oh yeah, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So in terms of the FOMA questions, yeah, so many people's FOMA is around like, how is this going to impact my social life? Because alcohol is most probably commonly used in social situations to ease our social anxiety, to help us feel more connected to other people, to, we think, give us the energy to go out, yeah. to give us the confidence to get on the dance floor, like you said, or to yeah. flirt with somebody. And so, yeah, all of those fears are very, very real. And as with anything, guys, you just have to feel the FOMO and do it anyway. Yeah. That's the yeah. only way to, like, get past it. And I talk in the book about the importance of doing sober firsts, which is, like, the first time you go to a club sober, the first time you do one of those dinner parties sober, the first sober date, first sober wedding, like, these things. I and actually a lot of people in their yourself. 30s talking about sober sex, like, they just had it for the first time. And I'm like, Wow. <laughs> You can go Very your entire 20s in college because you know what it's like to be young in college in your 20s. Like, I don't think I had sex sober once in yeah, college. Yeah, culture, I feel, right. and alcohol really they do. Yes, intertwine. But now we get older, it's like you got to like, fucking – Well, this some uh, this fuck. I'm really interesting. Fuck with I'm clarity. Really, <laughs> I'm really glad you brought this up. I was going to write a piece about this for a magazine in the UK, and it's the magazine that comes out with the mail on Sunday. Do you guys look at the mail online? Daily Mail? Daily oh, Mail. yes. Stephanie's brother's in it all He's the time. featured often. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's pretty kind of, pretty, like, they can use some quite sensationalist headlines, let's say. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> so I was writing, <laughs> I pitched the them a story <laughs> about sober sex, and of course they wanted, like, some personal stuff in there, and I was like, I can, I can like, give you a little insight into mine, and then I'm going to make it more of a trend piece. And as we went back, about six or seven edits, it was like, basically, I read, I kind of read it by, by the end of my PR, was like, are you sure you're happy with this going out? And I read it, I kind of took a day out from it, and I read it again, and I'm like, I basically described my sex life in, like, intimate detail, and it's going in the mail. So Very I can- Carrie Bradshaw. I, I know, okay. I was like, this can't go out there, I'm sorry, but I do really want to talk about this subject, just okay. not for the Daily Mail. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is a safe space. This feels like a safer yes. space. Yeah. So interesting things you said about um, about the hookup culture. There's a whole section on that, which was actually one of the hardest sections to write because I didn't want to seem like judgmental. Yeah. Although, you know, there are things in there that I had to include, like the fact that alcohol is the number one date rape drug. 89% of sexual mm. assault victims have been drinking alcohol to the point 89 of being 89%. Per- that is a crazy number. Right? Wow. We worry about what's going to get put in our drink rather than don't even think about the drink itself. It's so true. Have you guys read Luckiest Girl Alive? Uh-uh. Oh my God. Jessica Knoll's first book. Okay. okay. It's, um. I'll just do a little bit about the book. It's one of my favorite books. She. Um, it's the story of a 
woman who is gang raped basically in high school um, as a result of like a heavy or during a heavy drinking session. And then she kind of like plots this kind of like revenge on the whole school. So it's like a dark kind of thriller. Okay. But it came out a year after it was, it came out and had been this mad bestseller that it was actually the author's own experience. And it's just so like gutting when yeah. you, when you know that. But anyway, so that's one thing, um, on a kind of more, on a slightly different, another statistic I can give you is that alcohol is present in 91% of casual hookups, but only like 14% of kind of romantic like sex in a kind of long-term romantic partnership oh, sad everyone just wants to be loved but they're scared so they get wasted. everyone's so scared to be vulnerable mm-hmm. people are so scared to be vulnerable and yeah. alcohol because of the way it numbs your kind of like it literally it numbs your inhibitions and so it allows you to get vulnerable with people but yeah. oftentimes it's with people that you maybe don't even want to to have sex with a hundred percent I used to have a joke <laughs> when I was doing stand-up about that where where it was about using condoms and I would say something like I've had something about having like just enough tequila to not care about the rest of my life <laughs> was like the punchline basically and it would always get a big laugh because everyone everyone has done that yeah yeah, right. yeah. So I think it's a huge subject. And anyway, while I was researching this piece, um, I spoke to this kind of sex pert. She just had another book out called Sex Drive, which is her journey of kind of like speaking to all these different sex perts, driving around America, trying to get her libido back. She lost her libido. and But anyway, she was talking about how she thinks sober sex is almost like tantric sex because you're really so much more present yeah. that you can really feel every sensation. You can feel all the emotional nuances. And it's just like... Yeah, it's kind of slower, you know, it's but, just all of this, yeah. It, sober sex is obviously, I don't know, obviously, so much better. And yet, like you said, for so many of us, sex includes alcohol because it's just part of this kind of hookup culture. Well, yeah, it's the hookup culture thing where, like, we are so weirdly conditioned to not connect with each other. Mm. And, like, so in, like, a fear-mongering societal way, we are disconnected from our ability to do that. So it would take us, like more patience and more like realness to not be in that immediate gratification thing Mm. to really spend time like going on dates with someone and like opening up and all that stuff that is just I mean as a 33 year old woman and a single woman that's hard it's hard to find it's hard to go through it's hard Mm. to get out of the habit of just being like I don't care I just want to have sex because then at least you're either like lighting the house on fire or you're expediting a process that you really should kind of take your time with but no one wants to reciprocate that no one wants to take the time to do anything yeah and I kind of like I you know the the subhead for my first book was the now age guide to a high five life I call it I call this the now age like if it's I love the that. new age the, the new age too right it's the name of my new casual plug great <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah then then it's kind of like you know the new age of the 60s and 70s is now so it's kind yeah. of like the now age but the double that. meaning of that is about the fact that we now because of it being the age of Aquarius guys do you know enough about astrology for me not to have to explain about the age of Aquarius we got it okay good also <laughs> the I feel like um the musical hair really explained it for yeah us. right like that song just like it's like right. just listen to the song it explains it so it's the age of aquarius aquarius rules <laughs> At least technology. For me. such a gay man <laughs> I <can't. laughs> aquarius rules like technology communication globalization kind of like futurism science and so we're living in this age that's governed by all of those things and where 
Aquarian kind of technology meets capitalist consumer culture. Tinder. We have like Tinder. <laughs> Real. We have Amazon, we have Tinder, yeah. we have Google. Yeah. We do not have the capacity anymore to cultivate things over time and ex- and to appreciate the the the, the kind of like uh, even the idea of like delayed gratification. Yes. And yet if we want sustainable happiness, sustainable joy, sustainable relationships, that takes time. You can't like build, you can't build a house, you can't build a family in a day. Like yeah. I spoke to, I know you guys know Alexandra Roxo, and yeah. I quoted her on the in the dating section just to get some tips about like how to be in those situations to be dating, like actively dating yeah. and not drinking yeah. and using other ways to facilitate kind of intimacy and yeah. connections with people. Well, it's also, it's just like, you're right. It takes time. Like, you can be immediately comfortable with someone if you've had three glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. It takes you five times meeting someone sober to have that same level of comfort. Exactly. Or you know much more much more quickly whether or not this is someone you have any kind of a connection with. You yeah. can have a connection with anyone after three glasses of wine. 100%. But if you're looking for to have, like, really connected, intimate sex let alone if you want to if you're actually looking to have a relationship with someone then it would be better if i mean it would kind of help if there was that connection there from the get go you know i did an experiment <laughs> on myself last year where i dated guys but didn't sleep with them cool weird New stuff. how did it go <laughs> it was good it was interesting it was like i realized much more quickly what i didn't want or what i did want and by not having sex with them, I wasn't clouded by the, like, dick cloud of, mm. like, you know, mm-hmm. orgasm. So I'm like, oh, I don't actually super like you, so, like, thank you next, <laughs> you know. But with the sex of it all, it is kind of like its own drug as well. Yes, Where you exactly. get really just lost in wanting that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. you don't see the person for as they are. So mm-hmm. I recommend... I can't believe I'm saying this because it's so lame and so grown up, but I recommend taking your time having sex with someone. Love, mom. (laughs) It's that time again where we get to shout out someone, a group of people, a a collective. An entity. An entity that we just love so much. Beyond measure. Thrive Market. Ordering from Thrive Market. (laughs) It's incredible, you guys. Thrive is your online resource for ordering groceries if Whole Foods and Costco had a love child. Yeah, it really has everything that you'll find at like a gourmet health food store online. They make everything easy and affordable and all the products are always at 25 to 50% below traditional retail prices. And it delivers right to your door. In a very timely fashion, I may say. And then there's also the app so you can do like comparative shopping as I like to do. The app is so great. You can literally order your groceries when you have like five minutes in between appointments or when you're in the back of a lift or it's just like, wow. And for those of you rejecting your sober curiosity, they've got clean wines. And I have to say I had a situation where, so I have a problem with ordering things to my house because I live in a half apartment. Right. Which is confusing for everyone. And I think they put it on my neighbor's doorstep. Someone might have taken it. Who knows? I don't know where it went. I never got my Siete chips and I called them and I got into like a cool little texting conversation with their um, customer service and they refunded it. No questions asked. They quickly refunded. They asked, do you want me to reship the product or do you want me to refund it? And I was like, refund, please. And it was handled within two hours. Amazing customer service. Yeah. Phenomenal app. Just like convenience and saving money yeah. and nice people. Yeah. Thrivemarket.com slash retrograde. You'll get 25% off your first order and a free 30-day trial. Wow. Thrivemarket.com slash retrograde. Do it. 
I love how you mentioned the astrological part because I do want to mention the numinous, <laughs> which is your baby. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if our listeners don't already know what that is, they need to know. So can hmm. you give a little yeah. synopsis of, of yeah, the purpose? Yeah, sure. The numinous was an online magazine that I started in 2012 um, when I moved to New York from London. I would kind of had the idea for it a year or so beforehand when I was working as features editor on the Sunday Star- Time Style magazine in the UK. And I found myself like in my dream job and like miserably unhappy uh. and just being like, you're such a dick like <laughs> how dare you how dare you not be loving this this is such a great position and you have this great life and yet you're miserably unhappy what's going on yeah and I realized that what was missing was the mystical meaning my kind of interest in at all things mystical was not being fulfilled or met and it didn't seem like there was anywhere for me to explore that beyond like Susan Miller's astrology I knew zone. you were gonna say Susan right <laughs> Astro zone, baby Astro yeah. zone. so it was kind of like Hmm, there needs to be something that makes all of these subjects, meaning astrology, tarot, different kind of mystical traditions, um, meditation, even uh, more kind of like mystical, emotional healing stuff, make it accessible, make it like appealing, you know, make it cool, modernize it, bring it into the now age. Yeah. And so that was the idea for the numinous. Um, And it's kind of evolved. It's ebbed and flowed over the years. It's been very much a passion project. And it was, you know, I was a year or so, a couple of years after I launched it, that I got approached about doing my first book. Um, and it's kind of, it's been interesting, like, doing two books over the past, like, three, four years of, in terms of the writing and everything as well. The Numinous has had a bit of a backseat, and they did a rebrand with it last year. Um, and, yeah, there's actually, there's another, there's an exciting Numinous project coming out in the summer, which I will wait you to must share let us about, know when it's, yeah when it's the numinous is kind of coming revealed. back with a bang then that's amazing and then kind of oh. through the numinous is how club soda happened yeah so talk a little bit about that and then also what you by bringing people together who are curious about the sober lifestyle mm. and what you're learning about women mm, cool so in terms of the link between the two like when I often my when I pitched sober curious I was said to my agent I was like is this weird like going from kind of astrology and tarot and shamanism to like sobriety. <laughs> but actually there's a really clear link for yeah. me. It, my sober curiosity kind of kicked into high gear after I started The Numinous. I'd already been having these questions in my mind like, hold on, I'm feeling like crap and my life is on paper amazing. Is alcohol playing a part of this? Mm-hmm. And yes, it most definitely was. Um, but it was really when I started engaging and actually actively practicing so many of the things I was writing about on the Numinous, largely just through my, because of researching them for the site, um, I started to realize that so many of the things I was looking for in alcohol, things like joy or relaxation or transcendence or connection, magic even, I was experiencing through going to gong bars and kundalini discos and like having healing sessions. And I was like, oh, and when I do those things, there's no hangover and no existential crisis for like four days afterwards. In fact, I feel much better and I'm having some deep realizations about myself and healing some of my old family shit. And like, wow. So it really shone a light on the detrimental effect of alcohol and the reasons I've been using it. You know, Mm. I always thought that I drank just to have more fun. And ultimately, again, it's kind of like, (laughs) what's the difference between drinking to have more fun and to feel less shit? Yeah. Like if I need, if I'm needing to have more fun, is it perhaps because there's some stuff just in me and in my life that's kind of making me feel like shit? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's obviously more complicated than that, but they are two sides of the same coin Mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, if, if we're, and I think, you know, going back to that thing about like, why is our society so 
addicted or so kind of wrapped up and so entranced with alcohol. I think there are so few opportunities presented to us as humans to experience transcendence, bliss, like true joy, ecstasy. These are things that we need. Our bodies crave these experiences and we don't really have them. Yeah. And so we found alcohol is a way that we can experience that or a way that we try to experience that. It's, you know, I, I remember it's funny because I used to work before I did this as like a secretary when I got out of college. And I remember everyone in the office at the there at five o'clock would go to the bar and get so drunk every single night. It's because they are so locked into the the the, the the like the disconnection and the and the unhappiness in their jobs or whatever mm. that like that is the escape mm. and I remember just looking around being like this cannot be the only mm. way that we enjoy ourselves exactly and yet it's presented to people as such and on the flip side of that there's like well yeah there's a lot of like people having who are, who are forced into because of external circumstances into really kind of miserable monotonous lives can which is very about, sad and you, a much bigger kind of thing to address right where like it's a this is, it's a societal problem at large mm -hmm. that's i think what the big problem is is that it's not really alcohol as much as it's the society that creates the the, the relationship to the alcohol exactly exactly yes alcohol is not the bad guy yeah it's like the reasons that we use it yeah and the and the fact that we don't have the other like i said other routes to experience the things that we want from alcohol or like what you were saying before is like the choice yeah to decide if we even want to have a relationship with it or exactly not. yeah it's, we're it's, just not given a choice yeah <laughs> can you talk a little about um something that you wrote about is like people using I, i'm gonna botch how to describe this but i i really like it really woke me up when you wrote it it was this idea that like using alcohol as a way to connect with your spiritual self mm. i like want to hear that sort of talked about because when when I read it in the book I was like I get that yeah yeah I get what well, that like is. I said I think we often use alcohol to have some kind an experience of something that feels like magic yeah you know something that feels different to mm -hmm. what it means to be this human in this kind of three-dimensional form we go somewhere else yeah when we drink the energy gets fucking heightened and we want that yeah like apparently kind of crazy things happen and like the yeah. unexpected happens um, and yeah, I think our bodies need and crave that. I actually, I think it's Russell Brand who wrote in. I love him so oh my God, much. Russell, if you're listening. Please come on the show. Please. I've so heard he really wrote, and it's a quote from him. I'm going to get the quote wrong, but he says something like, because, because, what, because using alcohol is a spiritual problem or because alcohol addiction is a spiritual problem, we have to address it using spiritual tools. Wow. Mm. Kind of, it's that kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's a part of us that we don't necessarily, that's not an intellectual part, that's the numinous part of us that's that's going for alcohol to go, yeah. take me to this, take me away, like, let me transcend my pain, let me experience magical connection, let me experience like... A magical night. Yeah. Like a yeah. fun, exactly. fancy free experience. Exactly. And what's interesting too also is like, and I think this is so much of, of kind of this gray area that you're that you're diving into and in that like the quote unquote addiction side of it is like known as a psychological issue. Mm. Whereas what what we're talking about is that of like an internal relationship issue. Mm, mm. Which is also kind of on the spiritual side of things. Like yeah. the seeking, the the wanting for what's best for you and, mm -hmm. and figuring that out and the options that we get in the mainstream are very much like go out with your friends and get drunk. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, it's also like you don't really, you know, in the addiction. Or have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever it is. But like, you know, it's in the conversation of what you're saying, it's like you don't, 
you don't have to have a problem just to not want to drink. And yes. I right. think that's an issue too is like people yes. have to push themselves to this absolute maximum exactly. in this like weird self-sabotage way to prove to themselves that it's not worth it. That you have Instead to of stop. just being like, yeah. hey, I loosely, casually, gently, nothing really bad has happened. Exactly. I'm just not super into that. Like I don't exactly. need to hit rock bottom to know that maybe it's not serving me. Yes. yes. You can get out earlier than that before <laughs> yeah. it's actually got to the point where you've maybe like messed up your life in a really big way or injured yourself or like got some kind of an illness or like whatever it is you know that's that is your rock bottom what would you say to people who are listening to this who are like I'm digging this I feel it I'm vibing but I don't want to stop drinking because I'm that too Mm. like I love this conversation and I love like um gifting myself with the option of choice Mm. and just consciousness around anything that Mm -hmm, I'm doing but mm -hmm. I don't ever see myself quitting drinking just because I don't find it to be like at all problematic because also, like, my body is so sensitive that if I have too much, I'm like, you overdid it. Yeah. And that's just, like, the bottom line. <laughs> so kind of I'm curious about what your advice or – because I know that you're not sitting here being like, everyone gets sober and that's the answer. Right. You're, what you're saying is, like, it's okay to ask the questions yeah. and, like, yeah. realize that there's choice. So ask the questions, realize there's yeah. choice. and Because yeah. I think that even – I mean, I didn't want to stop drinking. Yeah. Are that you was the thing. completely sober? No. Okay, oh. cool. And yet I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> cool. it's a weird Ooh, you're one. so tricky I, I know and it's <laughs> like there aren't really words to describe my position which is how why I use sober curious but it's like yeah I'm not I wouldn't call myself sober because like I you'll don't... eat a mushroom now and again right <laughs> yeah, I totally would I sometimes yeah. smoke weed yeah. yeah like that makes sex really good yeah so, for sure <laughs> right totally. yeah so yeah and like at my friend's wedding I had like half a glass of champagne these yeah. things would be if I was in the traditional kind of sobriety set these would be considered relapses and right. I'd be like considered back at square one and right. for me there would be all this kind of shame guilt. and guilt that comes with that so I don't call myself sober because I don't know like in a few years like at this point in my life building what I'm building passionately doing what I'm doing there is literally no space for me not to be kind of like at my most energized. Yeah. I'm so protective of my energy. Not only my energy, I'm so protective of my optimism, my self-belief, mm-hmm. my trust, my confidence. These things are when and you probably have a lot of kind of entrepreneurial or solopreneur types like building their personal brands and wanting to do something and put something good into the world. Yeah. Like, and you guys will know this too. It takes so much self-belief. Yeah. And so much work yeah. to make that happen. But for me, and particularly I'm older than you guys as well, it's like it does take its toll more as you get physically oh, yeah. older. Like it just does. It was only when I, it was only after the age of 35 that I really started to be like, whoa. I think I was like no. 27 when I was like, is this stuff poison? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Nobody told me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. So anyway, my advice to someone who's kind of curious but isn't like I've got a problem, would I would genuinely, I would say like, Try try a few sober firsts. Yeah. Like, you've got nothing to lose by, like, just seeing how it is to go out, like, mm. clubbing or to go to a party or to go to a wedding and not drink. And you might surprise yourself at yeah. how much you actually quite enjoy being confident about everything that comes out of your mouth. Yeah. Being able to sleep great afterwards, not waking up with a hangover. Like, there are some really amazing benefits. And then it's like and a it treat. to be every time. Right. Right, and then if you do decide to drink, you're like, oh, like, it's like I'm giving myself a little bit of a gift. I'm and not doing it out of money, habit. Yes. All the money you save, you can oh buy yourself a great bag or something fabulous. <laughs> you really, really can. <laughs> yeah. Who's buying that drinks for themselves? <laughs> <laughs> She's got to set it up. Yeah. yeah, you do. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, 
You asked me about club soda oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, so yeah, it was basically when I, I mean, my my sober curious questioning was very internal and very private for like the first five or six years, really, because I, like I said, I was like, if I start talking openly about this, people are going to tell me I'm an alcoholic and that I need to go to AA. Yeah. And in fact, a couple of people that I did open up to about it basically said that. And so I did go to a couple of AA meetings, but what I found there was not a reflection of my story and it was not what I felt I needed mm. and I realized that there I just knew from other conversations I'd had with friends that some people were feeling the same way but also didn't really feel like there was anywhere to discuss this yeah or even like the words to express it and I realized that there needed to be that space and so Club Soda NYC began as an event series to facilitate that and to actually help people find community and other people who wanted to do things without necessarily drinking or who wanted to kind of have conversations about alcohol and what it means. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I totally relate. I did a, a program many years back and um which we were supposed to abstain from anything. And then in that conversation and in the group sharing if we were talking about like the challenges of abstaining from drugs and alcohol we were immediately told that we had a problem and should go to AA and I thought that was incredibly irresponsible and that really Mm. stuck with me Mm. for a long time Mm. and so I'm just so I just want to celebrate what you're doing because it is I I, I don't know anybody who hasn't had an inner dialogue about this in their Mm -hmm. head whether it be after you've had one hangover exactly like like, how could you not question and it doesn't make it wrong to question it doesn't make it a a bad thing or like a quote-unquote problem it is just human it's human and I'm just we just are so into the message you're illuminating out there because I, I don't know anyone else who's having the conversation the way you're doing it Thank you. Thank you for doing it. It was kind of like I was really nervous when I first went out there because I honestly thought that this might be dangerous because the messaging is kind of like for anyone who's got a drinking problem, it has to be abstinence. It's all or nothing and that's it. And I was like, if I even start talking about this as more of a gray area, am I going to be endangering people who are in recovery? That's not what I want to be doing. I like in the first like 10 pages of the book, you say you're not a doctor like eight times. Just (laughs) just to be clear. We have to do that all the time too. I'm not a scientist. (laughs) Although I have interviewed, the one of my favorite interviews and one of my favorite books about this whole subject is called The Biology of Desire. Um, it's written by a opioids addict turned brain scientist. And he's wow. basically, his first book was called Memoirs of an Addicted Brain. Mm. He basically breaks down like how our brain responds to these substances and yeah. why we're basically biologically hardwired to become attached to these things. Yeah. it's There's nothing wrong with us if yeah. that is the case. It's right. like our biology, literally. Yeah. So, And it's yeah. just, it's really hard to talk about this stuff, which is something you've done so beautifully without getting preachy or without becoming mm. dogmatic. And mm. that's just... You've done such an incredible job of just – it's really a conversation and, and tips and sort of like a guide instead of just saying, this is what you need to do. This is what you shouldn't do because you're – like from the beginning of this interview, like everyone is different. Everyone's different. There are commonalities. And alcohol is a poison. Alcohol will poison everyone. Alcohol is a toxin to everyone, right? It is? Sadly, yeah. <laughs> I'm just and you learning know what? This. Is that I really love discovering as well, like the reason we get hangovers is not even the alcohol. It's the way that our bodies process alcohol that gives us the hangover. Mm. So it's like there's just no way to avoid. If you're drinking alcohol, your body's going to turn it into a hangover. That's also biology. <laughs> Science. Do you want to go get a drink after this? Ruby, thank you so much for leading and illuminating this conversation. We're so grateful to have you here today. 
Thanks for having me. You guys, find you. Tell our listeners where they can yeah. find you. Um, well, I actually, oh, I'm obviously on Instagram like all the time because I'm totally addicted to that like everybody else. <laughs> what about, so. <laughs> um, what's a good book about tech being cleanse tech, curious? Tech cleanse curious, yeah. I'm like trying to work out the title of that book yeah. already. Yeah, I think that might have to be something I write about next. But um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I actually started my personal one again. So at Ruby Warrington for more sober curious stuff, but for more of the astrology stuff at the underscore numinous and the website, my website is at is the-numinous.com there's an amazing newsletter which I'm super proud of that goes out every Thursday that people may also enjoy yeah, oh and guys I have a podcast oh, <laughs> oh yes the now age the now age I've only done like eight episodes I'm obsessed with that title thank you it's beautiful thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much for joining us today really appreciate it bye bye uh, okay so while we are sober curious we're also financially curious Yes, make it rain. I'm curious as to how to do that. <laughs> yes. So we have partnered with an interesting uh, new application. It's an investing app. It's called Robinhood, and it lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. And yes, we had to Google what that meant too. But we're all about learning and being the beginner. So while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. So you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started. So you can start investing at any level. Even if you're not the rich person that you want to be, you can start to become with a minimal investment. It's really setting the tone to the universe that yes, you're ready. Yeah. For all the funds. Yeah. So go over there. You'll see easy to understand charts, market data, and you'll be able to place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Lululemon, what's good? <laughs> you can also view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular. And with Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movement so you never miss the right movement to invest. It's really like the ultimate phone game I think right get off Instagram <laughs> start investing start scrolling on those stocks people Robinhood is giving listeners of That's So Retrograde a free stock like Apple Ford or Sprint to help you build your portfolio sign up at retrograde.robinhood.com that's retrograde.robinhood r-o-b-i-n-h-o-o-d dot com namaste investing or just start investing right. <laughs> <laughs> We thought we would infuse the roses and thorns with some more of the listener cues that we got via Instagram because that's fun and it gives us ideas of what to talk about. Okay. Full disclosure. Okay. So somebody wants oh. to know about our breakfast curiosity, mm. which is perfect mm. for said sober curiosity episode. So true. Two things that are really important, alcohol and breakfast. <laughs> um, Hopefully not together unless it's a Saturday <laughs> or a Sunday. And that's no I, judgment. And that's what I call brunch. Whatever's in your kit, you know? <laughs> Although I've, I haven't really, like, had a brunchy drinking moment in a while. I don't – see, for me, as much as I enjoy a meal and a Bloody Mary, it's always a nap afterwards. And Wait, like, lies were lying. Last Saturday we – well, that, I guess that, that was, like, was an afternoon. So true. Okay. It's always, like, do I have – the space in my day to go right back to bed. So, I mean, the answer is usually no. <laughs> on a Saturday, though, like I'm so busy. Yeah, are you? <laughs> um, we so breakfast curiosity. Yeah, love this because we have made some um, 
some movements mm-hmm. in that world, some discoveries. I have two things, three things, tell actually. Tell me, tell me. Okay, first thing is our thing that I know we're going to say together, which is shouting out this fucking incredible invention, Sparrow. Cheeses and egg substitutes made from seeds. Guys, get on board. I came over to your house. Yes. And we made this breakfast scramble. Yes. That I'm not going to lie was, I don't want to like, bolster it too much, but I'm going to just say it was nothing short than a revelation. It was so good. So it was the sparrow egg substitute with um, sliced potatoes, spinach, garlic, and onions. Did we put anything else in there? Uh, Hugo's. Oh, I we threw some honey chipotle sauce in honey there. Honey chipotle. And then they have this insane invention. It's egg salt, so it like makes the fake egg thing taste like eggs. It's so good. It's really delicious. And then they also have the spreadable nut cheeses, which uh, we did on an Instagram video where we spread it on that gluten-free bread that you bought. Bread, seriously. Which was, I'm not going to lie. Would be a breakfast revelation as well. I felt like, okay, am I really about to spend $11 on a gluten-free bread? I did. Yes. And it was worth every yeah. penny. Yeah. It was so delicious. I mean, if you're not eating bread everywhere else, you ha- you have to splurge. Totally. So I just want to um, ramble off the ingredients in this egg substitute. It's simply water, pumpkin seeds, black salt, turmeric, and garlic powder. So it's, it's so really clean. good. It's insane. I don't know. It's some sort of like wellness new age magic. I'm into it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here to celebrate it. It was phenomenal. So if you miss eggs, I highly suggest. Yes. I think you can order it online. You can order it online. At the moment, it's only available online. Okay. So it's eight ninety nine. I think if you're here's the thing, if you're doing a like having some friends over for brunch, that eleven dollar gluten free bread and yeah. the scramble it, get your imperfect produce box involved and like it's still a very budget friendly entertaining option. And I will say we split it and we only used like a little less than half. Yeah. I had a full half thing left over for like three more breakfasts. For me to breakfasts? come over and have it with you. Mm, I finished it. Okay. Sorry. Respect. Sorry, sorry. Um and then I think I've shouted this out before, but obviously we're huge fans of the Siete grain-free options. That was going to be my next thing. In the morning, I like to make a little avocado toast with one of the, like I like the, right now I'm at the cassava flour uh, tortillas. I'm cashew. Toast that up. See, I try to avoid too many nuts. So I haven't been going in that direction, but I also really like their chickpea one. I haven't had that. Chickpea flour base. It's great. Um, toast that up, do a smashed avocado with a little salt, pepper, maybe throw some roasted veggies in there. Mm. You're good to go, kid. Love it. This morning I had cashew flour, cassava toasted on my little pan with this nut cheese that I have and um, gravlax. Oh, hello. And then sliced baby tomatoes. It was a real so we're really, Jewish so deli moment. We're really upping our game Yeah, in the breakfast category. Yeah. Thanks to all these fun innovations. Also, I don't know if anyone has access to this or maybe you live in L.A. And if you do, it's really lucky for you because the guy at my farmer's market who sells apples makes pistachio butter. Mm. And I've been trying to avoid doing too many almonds. And I have pistachio butter on apples sometimes for breakfast. And it's so fucking delicious. Hello. It's so good. Live it up. You can bake anything into a butter, guys. You really can. We were both guests on separately mm-hmm. on two of our friends' podcasts. Fact. So um, our friends Sandy and Avery have mm-hmm. a really are new dads, mm-hmm. and they have a really funny comedy yet serious exploration of what it's like to be a new father mm-hmm. in this day and age. And they it's interviewed you about being an only child. Okay. Um, their show is called Motherfuckers. <laughs> really funny. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, thanks for having me on. 
And so you'll connect people to that? Yeah. Great. I think that's what I just did. Okay, sure. So you guys have to find it yourself. Well, get out there. We're going to link it. Get out there and search iTunes, friends. We're going to link it on our webpage. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Great. And then I was on my friend, uh, Sarah Weinshank has a comedy weed fashion podcast. Oh. All the things we love called Shank. And I gave her some wellness tips and um, she was in a ski suit the entire time. She was wearing a one piece ski suit around Los Angeles. And if that doesn't get you over her podcast, I don't know what will because she is an icon. Say no more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And fun little shout out in two weeks, March 7th, we're going to be having our friend Mikey Dimitrovich here, also Mm -hmm. known as Psychic Mike over on the Sirius XM radio airwaves. And we thought it would be a really fun time to maybe do like a speed round psychic reading Mm. on air. Mm. So for those of you who might be uh, interested in partaking in said activity, we all you need to do is call us at 1-833-532-5266. That's 1-833-5-FALCON. Hey. For all of you uh, keeping track. Yep. And uh, – just leave your name and the phone number where you'd like to be reached. Again, you need to be available March 7th from 2 to 3.30. Pacific Standard Time. Correct. Great. I'm so excited for that. Me too, man. Wow. Also, I want to just quickly, before we go, shout out uh, and congratulate our friend Pamela Price on her Hollywood Beauty Awards. Every year, Elizabeth gets closer and closer to one of her favorite pop culture icons. This year, we were very close to Kim Kardashian's Areola. So, congrats, Pam. It was fun. Thank you. And can we also say what else we're congratulating Pamela for? Oh, my God. She's going to be on season 11 of American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, I feel like that's great. That is. Great show. You did it. Yeah. You had all the people there. Ashley Simpson was there. Amazing. (laughs) However. Right in my auto. Right in my autobiography. However, our friend just got cast on American Ninja Warrior. More to come on that. Yes. Let's it's see. my dream to be in the audience of American Ninja Warrior. Totally. <laughs> I don't have to train, but I'll be there cheering. Do we have anything else for today? I don't think so. I feel like that's it. And what a great episode. Thank you so much to Ruby Warrington for joining us today. I think this conversation is just like really aligns with this new way of th- approaching the world. And I'm very curious to hear your guys' feedbacks about your sober curiosity and the ways in which you are engaging with that yeah. or dabbling in what's happening. After you, we talked with her, did you feel a shift in your witnessing of how you related to alcohol or anything like that? No. I, I mean, I haven't been like super drinking a lot, but mm-hmm. I think that's just because I've been so tired in general that I know that if I drink a lot, it's going to make me more tired. Right. I don't know. I don't. I only was drinking a lot of wine in like a short period over the winter break and then I was like done with it. Yeah. What about you? Well, this – similarly, kind of this time of year, I generally don't really drink that much. Yeah. I think for me it's more of like a summer summer outside activity. Same. I don't – and yeah, I've just been kind of tired. So that's not really the first thing I'm picking up. Yeah. But I also have been like when I was out to dinner a few times, like just really conscious about like do I want to have a drink right now or like what is guiding me to 
that urge, yeah. that type of thing. Like, cool. do I need it to feel social? Is it just because it pairs nicely with the meal? So it's just been Is it a, a knee-jerk really, reaction? Exactly. Like a nice opportunity for self-inquiry. So we hope that... Um, this, <laughs> I said no. <laughs> <laughs> no. This does that for everyone. We, yeah, like Steph said, we'd love to hear from you and what you guys think. Yeah. So um, we will see you next week. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. Yep. And uh, namaste listening. Love ya. Thank you to our friends over at Thrive Market for partnering with us on this episode. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash retrograde to get 25% off your first order and a free month. Yes, that's a retrograde.